It can be hard to know what our kids are really thinking and feeling. But when we encourage kids to engage with us in conversation, and when we lean in and actively listen, we inevitably learn something that helps us do better by them. Welcome to Dear Highlights, the podcast inspired by letters and emails from kids who write to highlights, seeking a listening ear and a little guidance as they wind their way through childhood. A short, sweet season, but also a period of heavy lifting for kids. I'm Christine French-Cully, Editor-in-Chief of Highlights and your podcast host. I'm joined by Hilary Bates, our podcast producer and thoughtful mom of two. We're here to amplify the voices of children and to explore with expert guests many of the issues that kids and families wrestle with regularly. We're glad you've joined us. Dear Highlights, my mom and dad have been separated for about a month. I have two cats. I get keys for a lot of Well, Hillary, welcome back. What we're talking about today is so important. You know, our mission at Highlights is to help kids become their best selves. And by that, we mean helping kids focus on becoming curious, creative, caring, and confident. And at Highlights, we often talk about those things as being the four C's. One of the stumbling blocks that prevents some kids from feeling confident, from feeling good about themselves, is a dislike of their bodies. Harboring negative thoughts about the way they look is common among kids and can be super harmful. This is a topic kids write to us about often and have for years, but I think recently we've seen an uptick. Yeah, I mean, this is a real classic topic is kids feeling unsure about their bodies. And part of what kids are doing as they grow up is get a sense of their bodies and how they feel about it and what it means for them. I also think uh, it is the case that we're getting more of them than we have in the past. Well, let's launch this episode by hearing um, what some kids have said to us recently about this topic. So here's an email we've received. Dear Highlights, I hate myself. I think I am fat and ugly. I try hard to be more positive, but I can't seem to think any better about myself. And here's another one. Dear Highlights, I have little self-esteem when it comes to how I look. I know I'm not ugly, but I certainly feel like it most days. Every day I look into the mirror and see a different person than yesterday. Sometimes I think my face is round, which I hate, and then the next day it is nice and heart-shaped. I'm completely flustered. My sister says she can't tell any difference, but why can I then? I do things that make me feel better, like exercising, but this problem still occurs. I'm also sad to say that I can't help but look into a mirror whenever I pass one to see how I look. I wasn't always like this and don't want to remain this way. Help. And then just one more. I'm invited to a pool party, but I really don't want anyone to see me in a swimsuit. Would it be rude to go to the party in my regular clothes and not get in the water? Ouch. That sure sounds familiar. Uh, I think I that our listeners are going to get a lot out of the conversation today and hear some things that they haven't heard before about this topic. Well, how can parents, grandparents, and other caregivers help kids develop a positive body image and healthy thinking about food? Here to help us answer this question is Dr. Kendrin Sonneville, a registered dietitian and a professor at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. Her extensive research in public health is focused on the prevention of eating disorders in children, and we are so happy to have snagged her for this conversation. 
I learned a lot and I think our listeners will too. Well, Dr. Sonneville, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. We're delighted that you agreed to talk with us because we know that so many children struggle with having positive feelings about their bodies and having a positive relationship with food. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with this question. What drew you to the study of this topic? Yeah, it's a hard question to answer because it wasn't one exact moment that made me realize body image study or uh, eating disorder research is the field for me. Um, but I can think of lots of examples throughout my life where I observed people suffering because of their relationship with food and their bodies. And that includes my own kind of adolescent body image stuff. Uh, I had friends with eating disorders that I observed really struggle through their their treatment and their recovery. And then later in my career, I worked in eating disorder treatment and saw my own patients and their families really suffer. And it was this needless suffering that I was observing that made me want to study prevention, right? How can we prevent these body image struggles and these struggles with food and um, related issues? How can we prevent those from happening in the first place? How common is it for kids to be very concerned about their appearance? You said you know people, you've known people all your life. I think that's true of almost all of us. Yeah, I think in short, we could say it's very common. Um, it really depends on how we define it. Are we talking a little dissatisfied or very dissatisfied? Um, it also depends on what age we're thinking about because body dissatisfaction, unfortunately, does nothing but increase through childhood, starting at our age, around age five or six, where uh, body image concerns are quite low. We just see them go up and up. Um, in one study of uh, young people ages five to eight, they were asked um, how satisfied they were with the way that their bodies looked or uh, satisfied with their figures. And only about a quarter to a third say, I'm satisfied with my body. Some wanted their body smaller, some wanted them bigger, but it's it's the majority of people who are dissatisfied, the majority of kids who are dissatisfied with the way that their bodies look. Are some groups of kids more at risk of having persistent negative ideas about their looks than other groups? Yeah, I love this question. Um, I'm going to answer it in two ways. First is, um, this is a universal experience, right? Body image concerns are something that are experienced by kids of all ages, of all genders, of all racial ethnic backgrounds, and of all socioeconomic backgrounds. So it's not something that, oh, it's only white girls. Sometimes we have this myth or this assumption that, that those are the kids that are most at risk. And when we look at body dissatisfaction, um, it is so high across all groups of kids. So my first answer is, this is something we should be thinking about and worrying about for all of our kids. Um, I will point out one group of kids that I think is particularly vulnerable, um, and it's kids in larger bodies. Um, the, the reason that body dissatisfaction exists is because people perceive that their bodies deviate from what they think is the ideal and kids in the largest bodies are the ones that deviate the most from our society's ideals about bodies. And so these are the kids that are consistently, across all studies, um, those most at risk for body image concerns, for um, unhealthy dieting and weight control practices, and for eating disorders. So if we're worried about body image, we should really be thinking about the high weight kids. And unfortunately, those are the kids we are often sending lots of messages to about how their body should look or what they should and should not eat. So it's the kids that are most at risk that tend to get the most harmful messages about food and bodies. 
Yeah, Kendra, and I want to pause there for a moment because I know that some listeners are thinking, oh, but kids in larger bodies, like, that's not good for them. And it's important that they're hearing that their body needs to change. And I'm wondering if you can share what we know about how get having a negative impression about your body as a kid affects you doing things that are healthy for you. Yeah, that's a great question. So a child is not going to be helped um, by hearing a comment about their body size or shape, uh, particularly from a parent, but also from a teacher, from a peer. They are getting countless messages that their bodies are not acceptable um, from media and other places. And so they don't need an additional message that there's something inherently problematic about their bodies. Um, What we also know is that interventions that focus on people's body size that increase body dissatisfaction predict worse health behaviors, right? So disliking your body predicts more uh, disordered eating, so more binge eating. Um, It uh, counterintuitively predicts more weight gain over time, less engagement in healthy, uh, health-enhancing behaviors, things like fruits and vegetable intake, that type of thing. So body shame, um, and maybe this is really intuitive, like shame does not predict good outcomes, right? This is not a particularly um, good motivator, but it's particularly true in the context of Um, uh, wanting to promote good health and people irrespective of their body size, making them feel good about their bodies is most likely to encourage them to engage in the most health enhancing behaviors. Dr. Sonneville, I'm struck as I'm listening to you about some of the language you use to talk about different body sizes. Could we just pause for a moment and can you talk a little bit about those kinds of labels that sometimes people use and and language? Yeah, I would love to. So the um, perspective on language related to body size um, is changing over time. Um, And I think no matter um, uh, what sort of quote-unquote experts say about how we should talk about bodies, in the context of kids and families, we should let them decide how they like to talk about bodies and what words feel comfortable to them and what words might feel stigmatizing or harmful. Um, uh, When I talk about bodies, I like to use words um, like high weight, heavier, larger bodied, or even fat. And I'll talk about why I use the word fat, Um, mostly because um, I'm describing bodies um, in 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 a neutral way, in a morally neutral way. We know that people are thinner or fatter, just like they are shorter or taller. And I use words like thin and fat, um, uh, to describe people in in a neutral way, um, in a in a reclaimed way, right? Fat for many people has been used as a pejorative term or a slur, sort of used to make them feel bad. Um, and I'm recognizing, and and many people in the fat activism community uh, have taught me that um, reclaiming the word and using it just as a descriptor is probably the most powerful thing that we um, can do to decrease um, the type of weight bias that people in larger bodies face. But I do recognize that fat is a word that feels really um, shameful or harmful for people um, if they've um, been teased using that word. And so I would never um, uh, direct that term or or talk to a kid and assume that that's an acceptable term. Um, But just to know that when we're talking about bodies in general, that 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 that's that term is something we should probably uh, become more and more comfortable with. Uh, The terms that I don't use when I'm talking about bodies are terms like uh, overweight and obesity, um, even though those are generally very acceptable terms within 
uh, medical communities. I'm trained as a registered dietitian. My doctoral training is in public health. We use those terms all the time in communication, in healthcare, and in public health. Um, but those terms um, are pathologizing. And what I mean by that is those are terms that suggest that anyone whose body is over a particular size has a disease. Um, and that is 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 really stigmatizing. Um, not everyone with a thin body is healthy. Not everyone with a fat body is unhealthy. And when we use a single number to decide um, uh, or, or to label bodies or to use a cutoff to label bodies, uh, the risk of harm is really high. Um, and so those are the terms that I don't use when I'm talking about bodies. Given that negative feelings about one's body are common in childhood, What should parents and other caring adults be listening or watching for to indicate that their child might need some extra support? Yeah, I would be on the lookout for behaviors that are done for the explicit purpose of weight control. So there are many behaviors that uh, we might think of as really healthy, but once we start doing them only for weight control, they become really problematic, right? So eating fruits and vegetables, I'm a dietitian. It's a behavior I think is is um, is is fun. There's lots of good things to say about that. But if people are choosing fruits and vegetables only because they have guilt about other foods or they think those are the only acceptable options, then that behavior becomes not so healthy. Um, exercise is meant to be. Um, joyful, like it should feel good, it should feel fun. Play and kids should feel fun and joyful. But if kids are trying to move their bodies for the purpose of weight control, for burning calories, for anything related to size, um, that's a red flag. Um, So that's what I'd be looking for is seeking out behaviors um, for the purpose of changing one's bodies. Um, And then any type of negative talk or negative weight communication. So disparaging comments about about other people's bodies for sure, but particularly about one's own body. So if a kid is making nasty comments about the, the way that they look, um, then um, that to me is a red flag. Um, not that it's not common, um, but it's something that should be addressed and should be deconstructed for kids. We should say, why are we talking about this? Why do you feel that way about your bodies? Um, what makes you think this body, uh, if you lost weight, for example, that your body would be healthier than it is now? Um, uh, so yeah, so those uh, those types of um, behaviors I would be on the lookout for. Maybe another way to ask this question is, what does a healthy body image look like? What should we know about how we can help kids develop one? Yeah, I think a healthy body image is when the way that people think about their bodies and how they feel about um, themselves or their self-worth are totally separate, right? I am not better, smarter, more interesting, uh, a a better friend if my body is smaller or more muscular. And so that when kids are able to really separate what their body does and who they are from the way that their body looks. I think there are actually um, some awareness of eating disorders in the world. We've certainly seen it reflected in popular culture in the last couple decades. But what, from your perspective as someone who researches kids and eating disorders, what are some of the things that generally people are getting wrong about kids and eating disorders? Yeah, there's lots of misconceptions about eating disorders. The first relates to who we think gets eating disorders. So I mentioned there's sort of this assumption that um, eating disorders affect um, uh, thin women. There's an acronym called SWAG, Skinny White Affluent Girls, there is a misconception among people, among healthcare providers, that those are the people who 
are most at risk for eating disorders. Um, and in fact, everyone is at risk for having an eating disorder. We are only noticing them or diagnosing them in people who, who sort of fit this stereotype. And so it means that um, people who have eating disorders who are in thinner bodies, uh, who are white, who are women, they're the ones that are getting treatment, but they're not the only ones that are suffering. And so I think that's a major misconception. Um, the other is that they're about um, vanity or appearance and in that way are not that serious. And certainly there are appearance concerns or body image concerns that can put people on the path to developing an eating disorder. So body image concerns uh, um, are, are likely to get kids to start dieting. And what happens when people diet, when they are sort of deprived of food and they have this, this sort of mindset that they're not going to get what they need, um, their, their brains become preoccupied with food. And that's really the perfect storm for, for, for developing an eating disorder. But eating disorders are serious mental health um, diagnoses. They have a higher mortality rate um, of nearly all mental illnesses, particularly in younger populations. They have the highest mortality rate. And so thinking about them as an issue of vanity or not that serious or something that people can opt into or out of is, um, is sort of a, a grave miscalculation of the seriousness of eating disorders. Um, and more so than other mental health conditions that are common in young people or in adolescents, for example, things like depression or anxiety, people with eating disorders are far less likely to get treated for their issues. Um, and so I think there's just like a lot of assumptions that people can just get over them, that they're not that serious and they are very serious. Um, and we have good treatments available if we can get people to those treatments. I think of all the topics that parents encounter where they want to share certain messages with their kids, this one can be the most fraught. And that is because for so many adults, they are also not comfortable in their own bodies. They have not come through. There's a lot of issues we deal with and letters we get from kids where we think, we look back and we think, oh, it was so hard to feel that way in childhood. But we're past it, right? Okay. We don't have the same concerns. This is one where that is often not the case. Many of us are living in adult bodies we're not comfortable with, or we uh, criticize ourselves on a daily basis. Um, how can adults who are still in that mindset themselves still offer their kids a chance to break the cycle around this topic? Yeah, so I would start by just having a lot of self-compassion for parents. I think... Um, it's uh, it's really frustrating if you struggle yourself with body image concerns to see your kids struggle and worry that um, you might have contributed to your kids' um, body image concerns. Um, and what I'll, what I'll say is that that eating disorders do have a strong genetic component, and there's nothing that people can say or do, perhaps, to have changed that course. And so I think to have that um, acknowledgement that there's a strong genetic component, and uh, we do know that that parents with eating disorders are much more likely to recognize those symptoms in their kids. And that's really good news because they get to treatment sooner. Um, but again, the self-compassion is like, it makes a lot of sense that adults have a lot of body image concerns because that is the world we live in, right? A world that tells people they should not be comfortable with their bodies, um, their bodies that are aging, their bodies that are getting heavier, that, that they should be actively fighting against, um, messages of body acceptance. Um, and, uh, you know, I encourage parents um, to to surround themselves with supportive people who don't buy into these messages of 
thin supremacy or of diet culture or whatever term we want to use to describe it. Um, surround yourself by body neutral or body positive people. <clears throat> really be mindful of your um, your social media, uh, who, uh, uh, who you are opting to follow. Are you following uh, accounts that talk about um, dieting or fitness or wellness. And, you know, the wellness industry has really been co-opted by people who are promoting thinness or extreme behaviors for weight control. Um, I like to follow um, fat activists and people in the um, fat liberation or body positivity commu uh, community that are sending alternative messages that body acceptance is something that is possible and achievable um, and associated with lots of sort of good outcomes. Um, and I guess the last thing I would say is that um, uh, body image concerns and eating disorders are treatable even um, outside of adolescence and young adulthood, that adults who are struggling with their body image um, can and should seek help, right? People should not be needle needlessly suffering, again, at the hands of their relationship with food and their bodies, um, and they should seek their own support. Uh, in, the, in terms of how uh, they can interact with their children, I mentioned that that obviously eating disorders have a genetic component, and some of that will be um, uh, will be passed along, for lack of a better word. Um, but there are things that they can do in terms of the way that they interact with their children, even if they are struggling themselves, um, avoiding direct comments about their child's body size is probably one of the most important things that they can do to protect their children from body image concerns. Um, above and beyond that, parents should be really mindful of the way that they self-talk, the way that they criticize their own bodies, or they criticize other people's bodies. So people on TV or people on the news or people on the streets, comments that suggest that someone shouldn't be wearing a particular outfit because their body size or that they, you know, disparaging comments that someone has gained weight, the extent to which they can eliminate that talk or sort of censor that talk around the child, um, even if they're sort of struggling internally with sort of judgment about weight or their own you know, body concerns, um, they can protect um, their child uh, by avoiding um, this uh, uh, exposure to messages that suggest that someone's worth is in any way tied to the way that their bodies look. Coming out of the pandemic, one of the big stories has been weight gain. Weight gain for adults, weight gain for children during this period of stress and isolation over the last two years. And I think a lot of parents are probably wondering, as hopefully we're emerging from the worst of the pandemic, what should they be doing next to promote the health of their child? If you could just speak directly to parents right now, what would you say is the most important thing for them to focus on in this moment? Yeah, I love the sort of framing this around the the pandemic because the amount of hysteria about pandemic weight gain um, is is really surprising, right? To to have experienced this collective trauma that all people have been experiencing, and to do deduce this to concerns about you know the COVID nineteen or the quarantine fifteen, um, uh, I think really puts into focus um, what a profound issue we have with body image in this country. Um, and if, you know, you or your child's weight gain is the worst thing you have to worry about in this pandemic, consider yourself so lucky and so privileged. Um, uh, relative to weight gain that happened during the pandemic, so that's true, right? People gained weight during the pandemic for reasons that, that um, um, make a whole lot of sense. There's also an unprecedented increase in eating disorders, eating disorder um, admissions in hospitals across the country, uh, skyrocketed rocketed during the pandemic, again, just highlighting that this was um, 
uh, a time where no one was flourishing, right? That this was a really devastating time and we'll slowly have to rebuild from that. Um, in the context of our relationship with food, our relationship with bodies, um, and hopefully we're, we're sort of near the end of this. Um, I mean, I couldn't agree more about this idea that children are the, the world's most important people. I'm the, the mother of a small human who um, is my most important person. Um, and wanting to protect their relationship with, their, with food in their bodies as long as you can before it gets um, kind of... Uh, uh, outside forces uh, send messages that sort of rattle kids' self-confidence. In my house, we have a rule. We say in this house, we don't food shame, we don't body shame. Um, It's really simple, but to to put down this notion that we shouldn't be moralizing food, we shouldn't be moralizing bodies, um, uh, to put sort of this binary thinking of this body's good, this body's bad, this food is good, this food is bad, um, is really harmful, right? And I think we can send messages that we can be celebrating uh, diversity in bodies in the same way that we celebrate diversity in all other human characteristics rather than pathologizing, right? And assigning blame um, or making um, kids feel less worthy because of the, the, the foods that they're eating or the way that their bodies look. You, um, you talked about outside forces, and I think sometimes parents feel like they're just pushing the boulder up the hill all by themselves. There are so many outside forces that seem to conspire against us. Uh, and you've given us so much good information to think about here. And, um, you know, if, if we really truly believed that children are the world's most important people, everybody's children, not just our own children, what would we as a society do differently when it comes to helping all kids think about their bodies and foods in more positive ways? Yeah, I think the the issue of um, size diversity as an under-recognized area of um, of the conversations about diversity that we're having is, is sort of what I'm thinking about. Um, we need more representation of kids of all body sizes in magazines, in media, in like in television shows, um, because the kinds of uh, representation they see now is really limited, right? Most of the the bodies they see portrayed are, are thin, able-bodied kids, um, and the the um, rare exception to those are often um, um, not presented in a in a neutral way. And so, I would like to see more celebration again of size diversity, and not be thinking about how can we um, pathologize and tell people their bodies are wrong, but recognize that all bodies um, are good and are valuable. Thank you. That's a good reminder, especially for those of us in the publishing business. Um, That is one of our goals that highlights, but I'm going to go back and take a look and see if we can do that better, even better. Thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful and so enlightening. Yeah, thank you. I, I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. You can learn more about kids' hopes and dreams and their worries and fears from the book, Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, available on highlights.com or wherever you buy your books. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe and share the link with your friends. Special thanks to the producer of this podcast, Hilary Bates, and also to our audio engineer, Ted Weckbacher.